So I, I have a message this morning, and I was um, given the pulpit, I think, maybe a, a couple of months ago for March 15th. And I, I am a, a busy person, but I, in light of everything that's been going on, I think that the majority of pastors or lay people or people that are speaking all over the country and even the world right now, I would imagine that they would be speaking probably in the same vein, along the same lines of, um, here's some hope for you, or have no fear, or God is sovereign, and nothing sneaks up on God. Amen? And I, I think that, you know, if it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment, Hebrews says. So uh, Pastor Jace this morning was saying, it's not like we're going to die and stand before God, and he's going to say, what are you doing here? We have an appointment, and it is specific, and God knows it, and he loves you, and it's his will for all men and women and children all over the planet to come to repentance. Amen? So this morning, I, I have a message for you, and, it, and it's, I read a scripture, and there was just a, a phrase in this scripture that really caught my attention, and I thought, that's, that's going to be the title of this morning's message. So I do want to say that I've had some pr pretty interesting conversations and some pretty awesome opportunities over the past couple of weeks. Have you? It, it's, I don't want to make light of this, but it, it, it's producing a lot of pretty heartfelt, genuine, sincere conversations. And what an opportunity that it is for those who are in Christ to be able to shine like the word says as a city on a hill and like the stars in the heavens. Amen? And as it continues to get darker and darker, which the world can't deny that the world is becoming a darker and darker place, we are supposed to be sticking out even more. We don't even have to try to stick out. If we have the Spirit of God in us, we don't blend in. Do you understand that? It's, it's becoming weird. It really is. We, we live in a strange hour, right? So we're recording this message today for YouTube. You can share this around. It's, it's being streamed right now uh, on Facebook Live. You can even get in and you can get your phone out right now. If you can share it, you can share it. So we're also doing this live to catch some people that have maybe been asked to stay home or couldn't be here today. So I do believe in my heart that the Lord will minister to you today and everybody that's watching. I believe that there are some things going on in the world today um, where Christians have an opportunity to really stand out and to give hope to those who don't have it. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm reading some, some posts and I'm seeing some, some memes and I'm going to be honest with you and I know you have too and I know everybody in the world has probably just laughed this week at some of the posts and some of the memes that you're seeing and, and being that all this is kind of ridiculous we see the response of our nation and world in regards to this pandemic and there are some listen I don't want to make light of this because there are some that are genuinely afraid does it do you see that there are some that are genuinely fearful okay so I want you to see that, there, that and, and not take this lightly because it is an opportunity to give hope and not to just laugh even though some of the things are just utterly ridiculous. 
And I've laughed this week, but I'll check myself saying, you know, there are some people that it's not funny to them. And anytime something like this happens of this uh, proportion, it does instill and produce and generate fear. It really does. A lot of people live their lives in fear. And when something like this happens, it just accentuates and magnifies and makes that fear even larger. So for those who have been and are still living in a grip of fear, maybe you in the church have been living in fear before this. Because fear is a powerful thing, but you need to remember where it comes from. Because God hath not given it. Hath not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, the Bible says. Living in fear is paralyzing and causes us to do some really weird things, does it not? And, and we become so gripped by this, this hold of fear that we're no longer really able to function as a normal human being. It affects us. It impacts us. But we, we don't have to live in fear. Listen to me, Christian. We do not have to live in fear. Because I want to kind of get into the title of this morning's message. that There is no fear where you are. Now I know there's no fear where God is. That's obvious, right? But there is no fear where you are. That's this morning's title. Because if you are in Christ, that's where you're at. There's no fear there. So wherever you go, there's no fear. Do you understand that this morning? If you are in Christ, there is no fear where you are. Listen to this. The fool hath said in Psalm 53, 1 through 6, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity or sin. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand this, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back and altogether have become, listen to this, filthy. There is none that doeth good, the Bible says in Psalms, no, not one. And then it says, have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? Have they not called upon God? Listen, listen to this line, this phrase right here. There were they in great fear where no fear was. Okay? Listen to that again. There were they in great fear where no fear was. For God hath scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame because God hath despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come up out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Now in context, we're talking about Israel. But I love the line, they were in great fear, where no fear was. Listen to this. You could kind of even think that David at this point was really looking back and reflecting on his own life. Listen to you know, David's life. We've all heard of how the fool has, the Bible says, the fool hath said in their heart there is no God. The fool hath reasoned that there is no God. Because now there's debates, there's arguments, there's reasoning. 
It's not just the Bible says there will be without excuse because the, the trees clap their hands and the wind does this and the mountains will melt and uh, he spoke these things into existence. And we should be without excuse as we see the majesty of the creation of God. But the very reasoning that God has given us, we use to reason that there is no God. Therefore, we become fools, the Bible is saying. So this really is a, a more complex statement that it appears on the surface. We hear someone say, well, there's no God. We automatically think that, you know, someone simply just doesn't believe in God or they're arrogant enough to make the statement there is no God. But really, it's this kind of person, actually, they're arguing with the reasoning power of God that he gave them in the first place. So it would be foolish, I heard it um, explained in this fashion one time, it would be foolish, it, you know, what if your child walked into your house someday or after school or, and they just looked at you, mom or dad, and said to you, I don't believe you exist. Think about that. They look at mom and dad and they say, I don't believe you exist. You're just a figment of my imagination. And see, you don't exist in my my estimation you don't exist you could say well the, the parent could say am I not the one who gave you life son or daughter where do you think the roof over your head came from or how did you get uh, the clothes that you are wearing did they just suddenly appear evolve materialize and exist See, imagine that child daily continuing to deny your existence, mom and dad. They don't believe you exist. Everything came from you. They came from you. But they don't believe that you exist, and they continue to believe that. You would have to go to the store or to the movies or to out to dinner and you will, maybe you meet some friends and maybe you're with your children and you would have to say, this is my son so-and-so, this is my daughter who they don't believe I exist. That's how you'd have to introduce them. This is my son, but he doesn't believe I exist. How foolish of a statement is that? So how hurtful do you think that this is to the Lord? When God looks down and, and, and he looks at his creation that he said it was good. And he looks down at his creation and he hears them declare, there is no God. You just kind of have to read the, the book of Romans really to kind of know. And it, and it says in Romans 1, 20 through 22, it says, From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God had made. They can clearly see the invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Listen to this. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, the Bible says, they became fools. 
It's amazing how people can, can look up. You see this, what, whatever is Instagram worthy. You travel all over the world and they post a picture on a cliff in the ocean and the waves and the sunset and the sunrise and God paints the sky and it's just beautiful and he tells the ocean where to stop and he gives boundaries and he breathes out stars. And we, But it's amazing how people can watch a beautiful sunset or a sunrise and this, this simple testimony alone truly shouts to the world that God indeed is alive. Amen? See, in the midst of all this beauty, this incredible beauty, there are still men and women who run around the world saying, there is no God, I don't believe in God. Their minds have become darkened, claiming to be wise. Romans says they became fools. Listen to this. David said in Psalm 8, 3 and 4, When I consider the heavens, the, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? So when David kind of checked out the, 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 the vastness of God's universe and the magnificence of his creation, he knew God was able to perform the supernatural. I mean, look at what God has created. Surely God can supernaturally move in my life. I believe that. He was convinced of God's existence and his power by just observing the, the heavens. Have you ever done that before? Have you gone on vacation and gone to the edge of the ocean and just took a moment and just thought, wow, how beautiful. Man, how creative is God? How big is God? How majestic, how powerful is God? See, David was humbled that God would even think about him. As you're standing on a cliff of an abyss of an ocean, it's dark and it's just you and who is, who is man, God, that you are mindful of me? I want, have you considered this morning, watching online and here today, how special you are to God? Have you considered how special you are to the Lord? Have you considered he could easily just call this whole thing quits, call creation quits, and just fold up the earth and fold up the heavens and just recreate, start completely over? But he doesn't because of you. Because of his love for you. He, he gives us the breath of life. He, he loves us with an everlasting love you were created from his heart, the heart of God. And I want to say this morning that the very thought of him losing you for all eternity pains his heart. Pains him very much. It's the ultimate tragedy really of the fool that one day will finally realize the loss of God's love, his immeasurable love. See, we only kind of get this deep concept of what hell is like. This dim, I want to say dim concept of what hell is like. We, don't, we cannot fully understand it. See, the Bible declares it to be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of burning and torment. But I believe the source of that torment comes from having stood before God, right? Having now have stood before him and finally understanding the depth of his incredible mercy and his incredible compassion and his love and knowing that you have rejected that. That would be torment. And because of the foolishness in my human heart, man has pushed God's love and life away, not just for a time, but in, uh, 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 for eternity. 
So the fool truly has said in their heart there is no God and has created their, their own standard of right and wrong. You kind of notice people that are trying to create their, a, a small g God in their own mind. They try to create their own God. And in our thinking, the, we, we fashion a God who will not hold me accountable for my willful sins and my wrong actions. And if you think about Aaron, the brother of Moses, see Moses was on the mount about to bring the revelation of who God is to this generation at the time. He was just a few days away from returning to the people. But listen to this, Aaron got impatient, didn't he? He got impatient. And the brother of, uh, the, of Moses was uh, in very impatient. And Moses was on the mountain and he was about to bring the revelation of who God is down. And instead of having faith in God, Aaron was busy collecting earrings and jewelry from the people. He threw this collection of gold into a fire and melted and fashioned it into a form of a calf. How foolish is that? A cow? What? A cow? Melting gold? Fashioning a cow? These are the gods who brought you out of Egypt, he proclaims to the people because he's impatient. These are the gods who brought you out of Egypt, O Israel. Let us hold a party now for our cow. Let us hold a party now for our cow and let us worship this thing. This is the kind of God that we want to serve because of impatience. If you think about it, listen. A cow? Now listen. How has your behavior been this week? Are you misbehaving? Or are you conducting yourself the way that a child of God should be? How are you? Are you getting caught up in it? Are you not sure? A, a cow? By the way, these things are for sale for $10,000 at the end of the service. For those of you watching online, it's not funny. It's ridiculous, but it's not funny because there are people with no hope. There are people that don't have the assurance of what happens after this life. God loves you so much. He has a plan and a purpose, and He wants you to cling to Him. In any trial, in any valley, in any desert, in any hardship, anything at all. A cow? So listen to this. Well, I could have face masks. These just things that we think, like in Y2K, it was duct tape and plastic. At least that maybe made a little bit of sense. I don't even know. I, I saw a quote a few months ago from the movie, and I know that you've seen it. it. It was back in the 80s, maybe. And when I was a kid, I saw it, and I saw it again not that long ago. And it was called The Never-Ending Story. Who knows what I'm talking about? fantasy a kid's reading a book and it becomes life and he goes in and it's kind of a cool movie if you've seen it and it has good and it has evil and it has a journey and a mission and all these things and 
So the quote from the never-ending story, and I posted this earlier this week, and this quote, it says this, and this quote comes from the, 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 the thing that was representing evil, this evil character, this demon wolf-type scary thing that was all black and that would appear to you know, be scary to someone in fantasy land, and it would represent evil. And the quote said this. He says, quote, People without hope are easy to control. People without hope are easy to control. I will say that I have been in several conversations this week where I've been able to offer hope. It's nothing I've done. It's a decision I made a long time ago in my life. I'm not trying. I'm not pushing. But there's a certain comfort and calmness and stability and you providing just a, a godly pillar-like structure in the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness, you are hope. You are that hope. Christ in you is that hope. There is no fear where you are. Now listen to this. What an opportunity to shine. What an opportunity to give hope and provide this stability and confidence for the future. And today you find churches like, 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 like shopping centers or I'm just going to kind of Jesus shop, right? I got to kind of create what Jesus should look like in my own mind and what that is. And, and, and you know, I, we, we, now you might say, well, that's not quite the, the Christ I'd like to serve. You know, if, you, if you, you ever, the people are creating the most palatable and appealing Christ and that's what sometimes draws the crowds what kind of Christ do you have here, they might ask. What have you fashioned here? Well, well I mean, oh, that's kind of nice. I like that kind of a Christ. He doesn't really ask you of much. He doesn't ask you for your money or to go to the mission field or he doesn't tolerate your, or he tolerates your sin and he doesn't request or require separation from the world or repentance from doing wrong or even restitution from past things that can be restored, Amen. No, no, no. See, this Christ just accepts everybody just the way they are. Yeah, yeah, I like this Christ. The Bible says this is what the Lord is saying to these Jesus shoppers. He says in Psalms 50, What right do you have to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you, when you saw a thief, you consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother and you slander your mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you. See, this is kind of the issue. This is the dilemma of those who kind of fashion their own God. They think God's just like them. This is dangerous. Jesus is not my homeboy. He's my best friend, but I also revere him and fear him. See, you think this now, like right now in this generation that we're living in, people are going to churches all over America and just, just thinking that God's just like they are because I can do and be whatever I want and God's cool with it. See, we're, we're tight. We're good. He'll approve. He'll accept. He accepts, but it doesn't mean he approves. 
See, when you have an encounter with the Lord Jesus, it's like having an encounter with a Mack truck going 100 miles an hour down the interstate and you walk across the interstate. You are forever changed. You are forever changed. See, God says, he says, now consider this in Psalm 50, 22. I'm sorry, in Numbers 12, 1, when Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, it says, so Aaron still really hadn't learned his lesson. He's creating a cow and he made this golden calf in the absence of his leader, Moses. And see, now we find him actually not just doing something behind his back, but now speaking against him directly. So he's speaking against God's leader. It's kind of interesting because in, earlier in Numbers, Aaron kind of witnessed this great judgment of God in the wilderness. But it didn't affect him. It didn't impact him. You can sit in church. You can feel convicted. You can feel like you need to change and then go out and, and you just go about doing the same thing. See, it didn't even really register with Aaron that God would judge all sin. Aaron had this natural tendency, this, 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 the inclination of the heart to kind of fashion his own God. and A God who, who would not judge his wrongdoing. That's who he had fashioned in his own mind. So how does a, a man who witnessed God's judgment come back to doing what is wrong again? How does that happen? Why does that happen? It's because he never fully embraced the promises of God. He never fully embraced the, the God of Moses. He had, he had actually embraced the, the he hadn't um, embraced the fear of God as a way of life. He didn't honor or revere God as, as one who has a, this standard that won't be violated without dire consequences. So in Psalm 50, 22, it says, Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. So dealing with the Lord with an honest heart. Being honest before the Lord. God says, I do have a standard of right. I have a standard of wrong. See, God sets all things into perfect order. That's what he does. And when those who are his people come to this truth, they deal honestly with God. Then they embrace this truth. They don't try to mold God into an image of their own making. They, they let the, the Holy Spirit mold them into the image of Christ, rather. And those who are in Christ embrace these changes that God wants to do in your life. See, the, the, this is what happens when you have an encounter with the Lord. It's not just, you, you can't have an encounter with Christ and not be changed forever. A true embracing of the power of God and the changing power of the Holy Spirit. See, the converted, if you are converted, this is what happens. The, the thief stops stealing. This is what happens. They begin making an honest living. Liars are changed and they start speaking truth. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God does. People who are hard-hearted find the mercy of God and then they extend it to others around them. The selfish become compassionate and give of themselves and of their resources to those that are in need. So if, if Christ... The, it, it is, if you are embracing Jesus, then you are embracing this change. In Christ, there is a, a change. There is a transformation. 
which is themselves and, and, and of, of ourselves and of our resources and everything changes. It's this undeniable evidence that we've been born again by the, by the Spirit of God. It's evidence. And I think that we would be wise to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of set in order our own thinking. Because we can get caught up in arguments. We can get caught up in reasoning with people and people that want to strike up debates and arguments and reasoning. I would say those people might not open the Bible. They might not. And I'll show you that that is actually true. That the main thing that they're looking at is you. You are their Bible. They are reading you. They are watching your life. They're seeing how you act, interact, and react, and respond to things and in turn that could give them hope and create an amazing opportunity for you to be a city on a hill so we would be wise to allow God to kind of set our own thinking straight see we can live no greater life than to just simply yield to the purposes of God and to not be afraid of living for him some of the fear comes from actually saying Jesus I'm at the end of me, of myself, of my rope, of my own resources, of my own reasoning, of my own doing, of me trying to figure this out thing called life out. It takes a, a bold move. It takes a courageous step because it should be something that changes everything. It's an upheaval forever. So we can't be afraid of living for him. We have to let the Holy Spirit begin to change us even today. And if we have an honest heart, I know that we'll be shocked. We'll actually be surprised at what the power of God will do in us and through us and the power of God that will be available to us. And I know this happened with me and I, I, I would, you would always think I'm not good enough and I don't have the knowledge and I'm not intelligent enough and I can't measure up and I can't do these things. But I'm telling you, if you submit and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, an explosion of knowledge comes in to your mind and it gives you power to overcome all of your fears and all of your enemies. It does. It simply does. It can't be explained, only experienced. Amen? So listen to this. God is looking to to see if there's any true seekers. He's looking down from heaven to see if there's anyone willing to to be conformed to the image of his son and willing to walk with him in this evil generation. We can agree that we're living in some evil times. Psalm 53, 2 says, God looked down from the heavens upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Not perfection, a forgiven heart covered by the blood of Jesus. See, many of us have played games in the church for too long. We're kind of living in a generation of of whose hearts really are not right with the Lord. And and I think that there are some of us that it's just going to be really difficult for us to make it in the coming difficult days. So I want to urge you this morning, anyone watching, anybody here today, give your heart to the Lord. Take a step of faith. Be courageous. It's time some of you grew up this way and you're just, you're holding back. You're not quite surrendered. You've gotten caught up in the ways of the world and success and what the definition of the world says that success is. And we're holding back and there's a calling on your life. Listen to this. 
God says he's looking for hearts who understand who he is and are willing to turn from their sin and unbelief. So he'll turn to them and show himself strong on their behalf, the Bible says. I want my cry to be that, 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 that God has a testimony in me. I want God to have a testimony in this last hour, especially in a time when people all around are saying there is no God or they're running to everything except God. I want there in my life to be evidence. I want there in my life to be irrefutable evidence in us that there's a God to be reckoned with someday, ladies and gentlemen. And it's only because he loves you. He loves you and he's a just God and he's a merciful God. Hell was not created for you. But we can reject the love that he shed abroad in our hearts and on the cross on Calvary, the ultimate hill. And I want us to be a, a, a witness of how God brought me through my trials. And, and I want people in, from my life and my testimony to, to be confronted with the reality of Jesus and who he is. See, people should not have to fear the future if you are in Christ. There is no fear where you are, Christian. None. There is no fear. Remember who the author of fear is. Remember where it comes from. Listen to this. David says in Psalm 53, 5. They, there they were in great fear where no fear was. And it says again, For God has scattered the bones of him that encamps against thee, and thou hast put them to shame because God has despised them. See, King David could have been kind of looking back and remembering the day that, remember we've heard this before, where he walks into the military camp of Israel, and he'd been sent there by his father to visit his brothers, and he remembered this Philistine giant. He goes to the land of Gath, Goliath, taunting Israel's army day after day, challenging them to, to, to bring me a man to fight. Every single day challenging them. 1 Samuel 17, it talks about this in verses 8 through 11. And Goliath is saying, if there is a man among you that can defeat me, then we will be your servants forever. But if not, then, we will be, uh, then you will be our servants forever. Seems pretty confident. So in this, Saul and all the armies of Israel are standing around. They're trembling with fear. Don't miss this. Don't miss what, what, what God is going to say this morning. Saul and the armies of Israel were standing around trembling with fear. Who was? The wrong people were trembling. It, it, it's like the devil's camp. It, it, it's the devil's camp that should be trembling. It's the devil's camp which is supposed to be the one that is quaking in fear, the one that is trembling. But in this instance, here are the people of God quaking in fear. The wrong people in this circumstance are afraid. See, David arrived at the camp with the faith to believe God and challenge God's people. We need somebody to challenge the people of God. To step up, to take your place and your purpose in this earth. How much time do we have? Anyone know? We don't. Life is too short to mess around with your calling and your purpose that God has given you. 
David says in 1 Samuel 17, 45, is there not a cause? Then said David to the Philistine, then come to me, you, you come to me with the sword, you come to me with the spear and with the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. See, we too are kind of living in this generation, there's giants on every side of you. They exist everywhere. Culture and media and the press and all these, these the, the news affiliates and your, your co-workers maybe. People in your family even. Maybe some people closest to you who you might consider giants in your life right now. And see, we're in this foolish position at times when we magnify, magnify the power of our enemies over the power of God. That's foolish. See, he's more powerful than any struggle or fear that you will ever have to face. He's more powerful. Can you say that today? Say, he's more powerful. Come on. Do you understand? He's more powerful than anything. See, sin no longer has power and dominion over us if we are bought with blood. We put our faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his second coming. It's by faith, in grace. It's not of myself, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. It is simple. And if we accept that by faith, see, God comes into our life and he changes absolutely everything. Sin has no more dominion over you, church. You were created to be this living testimony. Someone this week I heard say, uh, living logo. You are a living logo. Pastor says a walking billboard. I heard this week saying, you are a living logo of Jesus. We should all be living logos. We are branded by him. We are marked. See, when you magnify our enemies and our fears above the greatness of God, we become like everybody else who says in their heart, there is no God. So what do you say about God, church? Listening online, what do you say about God? Who is Jesus? Who is he? See, we have a choice, and I posted this, I think it was a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday. You can sit on the hillside. Remember that, that David was hidden in a hill, but eventually he emerges to the calling that God has on his life. He's hidden. He's the eighth son that everyone's like, nah, nah, not David. See, you can sit on a hillside and listen to the voice of your condemner the rest of your life, or you can stand up and say that there is a God and that he is bigger than everything that comes against me. See, he's bigger than my struggle, my fear, my past. He's bigger than a pandemic. Come on. He's bigger than a virus. He's the ultimate physician and the ultimate healer. The Bible said his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals and mends and fixes. We just have to put our trust in that. He, he, th this concept that we have of ourself and our future, I, he's bigger than that. How's your behavior been this week, Christian? See, he's able to create you and recreate you and recreate you from glory to glory, ongoing and ongoing. He's going to use you, church. He's going to use you, Christian, to honor him and to bring glory to his name. And you understand the battle is not yours. Come on. 
The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. This is an hour when God is calling you, young person. He's calling you, the elderly. He's calling people that have a messed up past. He's calling people that seem that they are, they think they are completely insignificant and the best years are behind them and it's doom and gloom ahead. See, he's calling you. He's calling you. I know you hear it. You hear it. If you are in Christ, you hear it. Don't fight it. Don't kick against it. Be 